Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. On this episode, it's competition season. The medals are clinking, ready to find new brewers to wear them. Now, you could hear us talk about competing and our tips and tricks, but Denny, when's the last time you entered a competition? <laughs> I, You know, it's been so long, I don't even remember. I would guess it's been probably at least 10 years. Uh, I just I just got to the point where I was too lazy to put the beer in bottles and send them off to a competition. Uh, and I'd, I'd entered enough competitions where I just didn't feel like I needed any more ribbons. And, you know, after learning to judge beer pretty well, you don't really feel like you need the feedback. So I got all kinds of excuses. You and me both, buddy, because, yeah, let's face it, I'm a lazy brewer as well. So needless to say, competition is not my bag either. So together we decided that we had to call in an expert and well we talked with nick corona who's been on the podcast before over on the main show and nick won the 2017 aha homebrewer of the year which is a big dang deal and he's a man who's on a tear capturing ribbons everywhere that you look so we're gonna sit back and he's gonna drop in some award-winning strategies on you so just come and join us but first here's a message from our sponsors do you own a copy of John Palmer's How to Brew? If so, you know it's one of those truly indispensable resources for brewers. Well, it's time to replace that old dog-eared copy, because our friends at Brewers Publications have just published the fourth edition of How to Brew, and it's a totally new book. The new How to Brew clocks in at 600 pages, and every chapter has been updated and expanded, and there are five totally new chapters to boot. So grab your copy at your preferred beer book vendor, or buy it from the Brewers Association store if you want to get the book and support craft breweries at the same time. More info at BrewersPublications.com. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring Artisan Malt House Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout. Plus, we've got pro-level equipment and the best-in-cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on-site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same-day order processing, and guaranteed two-day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply. Welcome to another episode of The Brew Files, and I wanted to talk about competition, but as I started to put together my notes, I realized I haven't entered a competition since, like, 2004, and 
while 2004 seems like right around the corner from where I am today, turns out that makes me kind of out of date on this information. So I figured, why listen to me when we could actually get somebody who knows what they're talking about when we talk about competitions? So, Nick, why don't you say hi to everybody? Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you, Drew. Thank you for having me. I'd be more than happy to talk about competitions. I've been enjoying them quite quite a bit lately. Yeah, for somebody with your metal count, I, I can't imagine why you, you wouldn't enjoy them. <laughs> Real quick, uh, everybody, uh, this is Nick Corona from Quaff, who is back on the program. You remember he was on the main show a few episodes back uh, when we were down there uh, meeting with the Barley Engineers and Quaff and just kind of having a great old time in San Diego. Nick, just in case people aren't paying attention to the beer news out there, why don't you establish your competition credentials? Okay. Um, well, I began getting involved in competitions in about 2014, 2015. Finally started to see uh, a, a little bit of fruits of my labor. That was um, the first best of show that I won, and that was uh, quite a surprise to me. That was at your uh, homebrew club there with the Maltos Falcons at the Mayfair. Um, winning that big bird really got me excited, um, getting involved in NHC, starting to see some medals and ribbons coming through. I really started pushing forward at that point and trying to, um, trying to see what else I could establish. And then the pinnacle of everything happened the very next year, 2016. I started showing up pretty consistently in some competitions, uh, Cal State Fair. I had been winning ribbons there, but then at NHC, uh, broke through with my first national medal. Uh, it was for my vice beer that won gold. I was ecstatic. And then there was more to come. The end of the competition came up and they announced home brewer of the year, which would essentially be the best of show for the nation. And my vice beer took the whole thing. So that was pretty much the pinnacle um, of my competition brewing. And then I've just carried on and I've continued trying to push as much as I can. I won the Cal State Home Brewer of the Year Award last year, 2017. And uh, now we're in 2018. I entered my first competition, uh, was uh, the America's Finest City competition put on by Quaff. And I took some medals home on that one, and one of those gold medal winning beers had uh, actually, again, took best of show. So that was with a different beer. That was with uh, Beer de Guard that I had brewed. So yeah, it's been it's been really exciting, been really fun. Um, I, I like the anxiety that I get uh, building up to a competition. It's just it's just to me that's that's what's my brewing has turned into a passion, and it's kind of fueled through competition. I think we need to do a, a sociological study to find out how many brewers actually suffer from anxiety. I imagine it's pretty high. <laughs> well, so now you, you said you started competing in 2014. When did you start brewing? I started brewing in 2012. So two years to get you to get those treads moving. And then with the vice beer that won uh, the best of show, that was first place out of how many total beers? I believe there was upwards uh, close to 8,000 entries on the competition. In, in the whole competition, I think there were 8,000 entries. And then in the second round, uh, that obviously gets winnowed down to, you know, what is that, three from each of the 15 sites. And so even then, you're still in a fairly large competition that you're going through and really kind of shooting the dice in order to get get all the way up to that pinnacle. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I had mentioned that the last time we had talked, but you really have to brew great beer in order to get yourself to the final table. But 
as far as I'm concerned, it still is going to take a little bit of luck, you know, just just drawing a a, a judge or a few judges that are kind of going to be, uh, I guess, more apt to selecting your beer over a, another gold medal winning beer. So I was much I was more than happy to take that little bit of luck. And it was, it was quite a monumentous occasion. I think also now that the competition isn't shotgunnable, right? I mean, you can't get 15 entries or 30 entries into the first round. I mean, it says it really says something about the skill of somebody who can who can slide all the way through those with you know your three or four or five entries that you're allowed now. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, and that's something that I've really been putting a lot of thought into. When I uh, the first the first time that I had actually entered was I believe in 2014. That was one of the first ones. It was still on that uh, enter as early as you can and try to draw as many entries as you can. And then they started doing the lottery and it was down to five. And I was expecting five this year. And now for it to go down to four, it really is tough. So um, if you're if you're if you're on top of your game, then you're really starting to think far in advance and try to pick your your four best beers. And try to enter them and, and do what you can. The Ninkasi, you know, that I don't know how it's going to go coming up, but I'm going to assume that uh, the AHA have got their rules all written on that thing. But uh, in the past, like you said, you can enter just a, a bunch of beers and and hope for hope for winning a few medals on, on you know, 15, 20 entries. Yeah, and that, that can't happen anymore. So we'll revisit the idea of choosing entries in a bit. But let's start with why do you compete? I mean, at this point in time, I mean, I think you know that you're a good brewer and you've gotten all the feedback that you can. So why do you continue to compete? I'm What I'm trying to do is I'm still trying to figure out some of those uh, style categories that are out there. Um, and, and for me, Every time I brew a batch of beer, it's it's odd. I haven't been able to get past this. Every time I brew a batch of beer, I'll sit in my living room with my wife when it's all done and finished, and I'll sit there and I'll get all excited about it. Well, I don't have an incredible palate. I don't have the ability to detect all kinds of off flavors. I've been attending plenty of the BJCP classes, but I know that if I submit that beer to a competition, then I am going to get those great palettes and I'm going to get that good feedback that my wife isn't going to give me and my mom ain't going to give me and my friends aren't going to give me because they just want to be nice. To me, I'm still pushing forward with those competitions, trying to see if I can really perfect a, a recipe for every single style that's out there. So what, uh, what style is currently vexing you? Oh, I would say stouts. Stouts to me... I just I keep bouncing back and forth. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and um, one of the last ones I remember trying to find little uh, hints and tidbits was Jamil talking about there's no need for cold steeping. Um, you know, getting getting certain certain off flavors or uh, I guess uh, tannins from some of the some of the heavier roasted grains or some of the higher specialty malts. He says it's not necessary. Um, so I, I think that's been kind of one of the things that has kind of been perplexing me on the stouts. I've tried a few stouts and none of them have been too good. I, I'm really looking for that big, big, nice mouthfeel, the creamy mouthfeel, but then still trying to get that big chocolate flavor out of them. And uh, every time I do it, it just seems I'm getting too much of that um, pungent ting that I that you know you wouldn't want in a stout i'm actually right behind you because one of the styles that has continued to vex me for all the years i've been brewing is porter for whatever reason i if i go to formulate my own porter it never comes out right but i can borrow somebody's porter recipe like i have two that i use now all the time and those always come out right and it just perplexed me because i'm like looking at it going i'm doing the same things i swear right 
Exactly. Yeah. So that was the last time I, last time I brewed, uh, one of these stouts, I actually did do the cold steeping and I just ended up throwing it in. I know that a lot of the professional brewers are now using, um, carafa and some of the, um, oh, I forget what it's called. I think it's actually like a liquid additive that's going to add the color to it. Cinemar. Cinemar. Yes. That's it. Yeah. So I know that some of the pro brewers are going to that. And I, I think if, if I were to uh, explore it much further, I'd probably start looking at those instead of adding too many roast grains because it just doesn't seem to give me what I'm looking for. Obviously, you've entered uh, a few competitions. Do you have favorites or do you have something that you look for in a particular competition to target to go to? Yes, that's been a progressive change with my competition brewing is that when I first started, I was all about just entering as many competitions as I could. And that was twofold. One in that, you know, I wanted to show up somewhere. I wanted to see if I was, you know, getting closer to um, really competing with people. So I, I, I didn't really have any bias to competitions that I would do. In fact, if it was a smaller competition, that would be great by me. Um, so I started winning a few of those awards in some of those smaller competitions. And I, I was happy with that because I could compare the feedback from the different competitions. Some A lot of people out there get really upset because uh, judges will give them negative feedback, which I understand. We're all artists in a way. So I fully understand that. But if sometimes you're getting negative feedback from judges that might not be qualified to be giving that feedback, and they oftentimes are wrong. So I'm not saying to discount all judges, but what I do and what I've done in the past is I enter the same beer in multiple competitions. That way, if I'm seeing the same negative feedback on the same beer by different sets of judges, then there is a problem there and I have to address it. Now that I've progressed a little bit more, I've fully taken the small competitions out of uh, the the schedule that I create each year. And I just mainly go for the bigger competitions and, and, and try to kind of establish establish myself in those competitions. So the Cal State Fair, um, I, try to, I try to run the Cal State Home Brewer of the Year uh, trilogy, which is Cal State Fair. Fair, um, Mayfair, and then the Cal State Home Brew Competition. So I do those for sure. Obviously, I do my home brew clubs, uh, Quaffs, AFC. Every once in a while, I'll throw in an entry into some of the smaller local GABF programs that they'll do. I know Carl Strauss has one. Um, sometimes some of the small brewer, breweries will uh, hold one where they want to team up with a brewer. Get, getting into the GABF program is is a goal. I've done it the last couple of years, so this year i got to figure something out, hopefully, if not. I, I might not have such a good reason to go to Denver, but that's that's where I'm at now. It's now I'm kind of mainly towards the larger ones. Interesting. Now I wanted to go back and touch on something that you just mentioned. You said you plan out your schedule. Do you plan out like what you're brewing around when those competition windows are? Or yes, yes, that's exactly it. What I do first is I I put down what, what, when the competitions are. Um, the I. The competitions directors aren't always the most diligent. So what I do is I just try to base an, an estimate because you want to start planning six months in advance. Realistically, some of the styles, you need that amount of time. I'll take a look at when those competitions normally go in the past. I'll set myself up a little spreadsheet just on when I can expect those competitions to be around. And then I'll start counting backwards from those competition dates. OK, you know, obviously a vice beer only needs three weeks, maybe IPA, same difference. Um, some of the, the, the quicker styles and the, that are more dependent on freshness, you'll want to brew closer to those competition deadlines. And then obviously the, the ones that you want to lager or condition longer, those are the ones that you have to count off more time. And sometimes I'm brewing those same recipes, you know, three or four times. 
within a four four month uh, period of time just to make sure that I'm entering the the freshest example of that style into that competition as it comes up. So in other words, you look at people asking that question about, should I rebrew for the second round at NHC and think, pikers, of course you should. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, unless it's something like um, a Russian Imperial Stout or big Belgian beer that is good sitting on a shelf for a year or two. By all means, if it's anything that that is going to lose some of its uh, attributes that judges are looking for, you definitely want to rebrew. I guess if you're coming up with a brewing schedule, you must you must obviously have thoughts about what it is that you want to enter. Do you have particular targets that you've set in mind, and how do you choose those targets? Well, for the for for some of the larger competitions, uh, I what what I do is I try to say for NHC this year. I was fortunate in that AFC, uh, the Quaff's homebrew competition that they put on, that competition was about two months or a month and a half prior. So I was going to be able to kind of enter some feeler uh, feeler beers into that competition and see which ones fared best. So I start out, uh, for, for something big like NHC, I stick to my more comfortable beers, the beers that I know that I'm, I, I can, I can brew well and I, that, that will hopefully stand, stand a, a good chance of advancing and qualifying for the finals. So for those ones, I'll, I'll stick to the ones that I know best. But then also, you know, every once in a while, you're going to want to try to add something to your, um, I guess, repertoire of of recipes. So that's where the the, the earlier competitions really help you out to kind of judge where you're at with those things. But our home crew club is, is really good with that, too. And I'm sure you guys at Maltos Falcons are, are the same way in that you can get together with a few judges and you can say, hey, here's this beer. Why don't you give me some feedback on it so I know wh- where I'm at with it? Secret time. What are those styles that you feel most comfortable with so that people can avoid you in competitions? <laughs> uh, well, my vice beer seems to be the one that just that I, I, I've it's very, very infrequent that I'll enter that beer and not show up. Um, so my vice beer is one. Uh, I would definitely stay away from me in German wheat and rye beer categories, um, unless it's NHC where it's open. Um, or you've read my recipe all over the place, so that might be a little scary. I've really started to – it's funny. This is this is a recipe that I had made last year. I made a, um IPA recipe, and I actually put it together based on IPA – American pale ale and double IPA, um, guidelines. And so I made one single beer that I was hoping and Kelsey McNair had actually, uh, 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 kind of put this idea into my head and he brews his IPA, which won multiple national medals, but he would also enter it as a double IPA because of the numbers that he would put it to. So I kind of wanted to go a step further and I had put this IPA recipe together and I honed it very close to an American pale ale on the high end and then a double IPA on the low end. And that one I've been seeing some very good success with. I just won uh, the Green Flash homebrew competition. They had an IPA competition. Uh, Last year, I actually showed up in all three categories and won an award in the Cal State homebrew competition. And then prior to that, in the California State Fair competition, I took gold for pale ale and gold for double IPA. Interestingly enough, it was an IPA and it didn't show up there, but it did score well. As far as any other categories I can think of, um, I don't know. They're they're all open. Some of those other beers are hit and miss. So I've got a real good beer to guard recipe. Unfortunately, it's one that I've only brewed once and just had some bottles sitting around. So that was the one that took a BOS at uh, AFC. And beer to guard, of course, is a great style. And we need to talk about that at some point in time on this show, but we'll get there. That's not for today. Now, do you think, are there any styles that are 
either easier to win with or harder to win with? When I first started brewing, and that was actually what got me into the German wheat and rye beer category with my Weiss beer. When I started brewing, I didn't see any point in trying to go and compete with these people who had years and years of experience by brewing up an IPA, a stout, or a Belgian beer. Those categories, if you pay attention to those numbers, and if you're just getting started or you haven't had good success in competitions, I would really implore you to pay attention to those style categories. The counts on the entries are just huge. And it's not a good idea to be going up against people who have a lot more experience than you in those larger categories. So that was why I actually got got my, the Weiss beer recipe going. I had seen German wheat and rye beer categories were pretty small. Some competitions locally would be, you know, five or six entries and you kind of take, put the numbers into account and you're 50% there. So, um, I would implore anyone who's looking to get involved to really start to stay stay with some of the smaller uh, style style categories. Uh, loggers take a little bit more experience. You're going to have to have a lot of good temperature control, so I would kind of stay away from them in the meantime. But if you do get good with loggers and you get good with your um, you get good with your temperature control, those categories are normally pretty small as well. Standard American. Um, lager category is really small but now you can throw a blonde ale and a american wheat into those categories and then they'll go up against a bud light so you stand a pretty good chance with those i think in our competitions it's anything that's lager based anything sour and also sometimes what i think is interesting is there's a seasonality to it where during the warmer months we see fewer of say the stouts and porters and unless they're bourbon barrel aged stouts in which case we see those all the time so i think there's even a seasonality component to it you have to kind of keep an eye out on it right right yeah that's a really good point and and yeah and to your point yeah you go and you take a look at the pale ale the ipa category yeah and the stout category a lot of times you look at those numbers and it's like oh man that's no that's just way too much of a crapshoot yeah it's huge it's huge it really is it's one of it's what you know when you when you win it it's definitely one of those eye openers you know people people oh he won ipa you know it is cool it is really cool to to show up in the ipa category but if you're just getting started and and you're really looking to to win some ribbons and get some hardware, definitely a good idea to stay clear. So now you talked a little bit about like setting up your IPA recipe so you could shoot the gap between American Pale Ale and Double IPA and IPA and get that done. But can you walk through like what is your thought process when you're trying to make a beer that you know that you're specifically making for a competition? Is it different than just when you're brewing regularly? Um, well, every time I brew, I brew with competitions in mind. So as far as, as uh, unless I'm doing something special for like, uh, the stone AHA rally, they always want something crazy. That's a different story. But for the most part, when I go to put a, a recipe together, I'm really researching that style category and I'm, I'm i'm looking online and i'm sitting there researching it for normally a week or two at least in advance and just trying to pick up any little tidbits of information that i can have 
that will help me kind of formulate and put together a recipe. And sometimes, you know, when I first got started, I would just start with a simple recipe. Whatever I could find online, I'd start with it and then look look back on those score sheets. And if they're mentioning something in those score sheets and I'm seeing some similarities, then that's where I would go back and really pay more attention to what I'm actually trying to accomplish and what what flavors I'm trying to get out of it. That's a very important point. I think there are a lot of people who they go, they enter a competition and then they never pay attention to the feedback they're getting. And I know one of Denny's classic tips, and we've talked about it on the show before, is when you go and enter a beer into a competition, save at least a bottle of that competition beer so that when you get the score sheets back, you can pop open the beer and taste it while reading the notes and and see see what you if that helps you find things and learn things. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. That's a great suggestion. Um, and, and to sit down and just real. The, I think the hard part, like I said, again, is that we're all we, we're all artists. And if we make a sculpture, we don't want any negative critiques on it. It's it's so hard for people to, to do that. And I understand. But that's a great suggestion. Um, you, the more that you're, you open your mind up to the possibility that, uh, improvement is definitely there, then the, the better you're going to be. Now, do you do anything when you're getting the beer ready for competition? Like when you're putting it into bottles, which by the way, is one of the big reasons why I ever stopped competing because boy, do I hate bottling. Oh yeah. Do you do anything special with, you know, how you package the beer in order to say, get a better shelf life on it or, you know, make sure it arrives in tip top shape? Yeah, I, I, I do my best to try and keep obviously any oxygen out of my beer. Um, I, I had started to do closed sanitary transfers a, a few years ago, and that's where I really saw a, a, some good improvement with my beers. I had previously been using just a regular siphon and siphoning it into the keg and there was no co2 in there to purge anything so i started to do closed sanitary transfers actually pushing the beer out through with co2 um when i go to bottling I try and make sure that I'm purging everything with CO2 as well. I had been using a Blickman beer gun, which which I've had very, very, very few um, oxidation comments. But recently, I just went to a Williams Warren, which is a counter pressure. It's it's a pressure um, filling device, and it's it's really nice. Um, but yeah, I really try to take care of them. Once I've bottled, I try to keep them in cold in cold storage and uh, just make sure that that beer is treated. I mean the we we all see what takes place in the a lot of the European beers that we get here. A lot of them are oxidized or they'll be skunked just because it takes so much to get those beers here. So it's it's really important to treat your beer well and to make sure that your uh, your packaging is on point with it. Well, I know Jamil back when he was doing his Ninkazi runs talked about, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm entering some of these beers that are three years old, but I've kept them in in my walk-in so they've stayed ice cold the entire time and and i take real care with the packaging and he was still winning medals with them so yeah yeah beers beers fragile you definitely have to treat it well is there anything else that you watch out for when you're getting these beers ready for competition right you, you take care of them when they go in the bottle anything else like in terms of you know say getting the beers to the competition do you try and aim them so they get there at the last minute is there any other little tips or strategies Yes, yes. Last minute is I, I'm all the way a procrastinator, but uh, in in this case, it actually will give you a slight advantage. I I plan to deliver my beers on the very final day. Um, that way, I know that I'm putting them into the bottles. You know, maybe three or four days before 
before the competition or even some days, you know, a day before. But I make sure that everything's legit on them. The labels are all nice. They're all cleaned. Um, I actually used to um, I had I had been following uh, Kelsey McNair's uh, suggestion, and I, I still think it's a good suggestion, but I stopped doing it for a reason. I'll explain why. But I had been filling my bottles up really high so that there would be very small headspace on there so there wouldn't be much CO2 or much oxygen pickup. Um, and that was his suggestion, and it worked out really well for him. But I stopped doing it this year. And the, excuse me, the reason being is because I had noticed that a lot of the judges were putting high fill, high fill, high fill on the on the first little bit of comment. Now, there's no points deducted for any type of uh, packaging issues with that. It's just a comment. But as far as I was concerned, if they're getting this beer and they see that it's filled all all the way to the top, which makes it pouring a pain in the and some of them would uh, comment on that. But in my mind, if I see that they're noticing that first thing, they might not be thinking that that's coming from an experienced brewer. And I would hate for them to judge my beer with that being the first introduction to it. So I kind of stopped doing that, but I, I, I try to deliver that beer in obviously plain brown bottles, silver cap, gold cap. I don't want anything sticking out. You know, there's a lot of people that enter their beers in Corona bottles. Some people enter their beer in green St. Pauli girl bottles. You have to make sure that your beer doesn't stick out in the first place, or that could kind of guide those judges down the wrong path. If you stand out, you're either going to get rewarded for it, or you're going to be punished for it. And I'll say also as a judge, one of the other things I've always noticed is Judges will always get a little bit harsher on any beer. Yet the second there's a noticeable flaw, either the high fill, the bottle's not perfectly clean. Like I've had some bottles come to us with, you know, still like little scrape marks from the labels, uh, you know, other things like that. If if it doesn't make that beautiful pift when you open the bottle, you know, just these little tiny things that you wouldn't think would necessarily, you know, set you up for failure. Judges will notice those and it pre-biases them against the rest of the beer experience. Exactly. Exactly. That's, you know, you, you, you would want to think that it doesn't, but you know, we're, we're, we're all human. So I, that, that was actually why I stopped filling my, my bottles all the way to the top. I figured uh, I don't want to stick out anymore. So just like we eat first with our eyes, we drink first with our eyes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so be clean. Any, anything else like, you know, when you're when you're dealing with having to ship bottles like for NHC or for other competitions, what do you do there? Anything special? For NHC, I did something very special for my uh, vice beer, the one that won. And, you know, going back, I'm glad I did it. But it's not always necessary unless you're really um, you're really looking to uh, keep that beer 100% fresh, but I had actually built a box around a cooler with some ice packs that I did. It added some serious weight. I had dividers in there. But I think most of the beers that you're entering outside of super fresh, reliant beers are going to be okay. Put into a bottle shipper, um, even if you just stretch wrap a little ice pack around each bottle or whatever you want to do, I think it'll be okay for for. For beers that I really, really am hoping do well, I'll, I'll take a little extra time in shipping and I'll throw a little extra cash down and make sure it gets there in you know two days. Next day, I haven't gone that crazy yet, but I try to do the two-day air. I don't want it sitting in a hot truck for too long. Yeah, heat is not beer's friend. Any other 
tips that you'd have, like any other things that you think about, like, you know, that you keep in mind that you try and aim for when you're, when you know that the spear is going to end up in front of a judge who's going to be looking at it critically? Um, well, we all know clarity is a big thing with a lot of the styles. So, um, I, I do find my beers, uh, but also when I go to bottle, a lot of times when you're pouring off taste taste samples you know even if you're not entering a beer you'll notice as you're pouring off a keg wow you get towards the end of that keg and this beer starts getting a lot more clear and you know it's 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 everything's really dropped out at that point so sometimes when i do go to bottle i'll bottle off like maybe 18 to 20 beers and i'll i'll mark down each one which number it was and then i'll enter in the, in the competitions that I'm really hoping for something, I'll enter the ones that were the last ones that I bottled just because I know those ones are going to be probably be the most clear bottles. I see. That's a, that's a cute little trick. I like that. And I mean, I would also add, I think whenever you're going to enter a style, every style the way that they're set up in the BJCP categories or almost every style or class of styles has a defining characteristic. And if you're going to enter, make a beer for entering into a particular style above everything else. You have to make sure you nail that defining characteristic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, one of the first things I I had done a talk recently on competition brewing. And one of the first things I mentioned was you need to know the style guidelines. You have to know the style guidelines, sit down, go over it. If you're in a home brew club, get together with some of the judges, however you can figure them out. We're fortunate here. We have some BJCP 101 classes that we do every couple weeks. So we get to go do those. But if you don't have those, get online and just research those styles because the, the better that you know those styles, the better that you're going to be able to put yourself in a position for actually submitting something that represents that style well. Make sure your Hefeweizens have some nice yeast haze to them. Make sure you're New England IPAs have that haze characteristic to them. Make sure just about everything else is clear. Yeah, you know, if something's a malt bomb, make sure that malt comes through. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it, it's pay attention to those little things and use those to your advantage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would I also uh, caution people never to get addicted to um, or never never commit themselves to what is on that recipe sheet. If you brew something that a judge comes back and tells you it would fit better in this category. You might want to listen to that judge and maybe the next competition you enter it in, go ahead and try it in that category and see what it does. The other one I see all the time is I see people asking questions about, hey, you know, I've, I've got a stout with a flavor in it and I want to know which category to enter into. And they're like, you know, I can't be a, this sort of stout, right? And what about this? And then they, you, one of the things that you realize is that people have never looked all the way through the guidelines and realized all the different variations that are out there for the different specialty type things and said, no, no, that thing actually belongs over there. I would say whenever you're thinking about what you're going to to enter, make sure you actually know the sort of breadth of where you can hit. Right, right, exactly. And there's no place that that's more important than NHC. Yeah, you only have uh, you only have the four entries, so you got to make them count. That, that actually brings me back to the point there. You were talking about that earlier. How do you choose the four that are going to go? Well, for NHC, something that you know, I, I'm hoping to do well in again this year. I, I stick to the ones that I know that I can brew the best and the most consistently. Um, my vice beer is definitely going to be one that I enter. I would go to, um, 
probably the and this is the problem is that I've been having good success with the pale ale uh, that I had been brewing IPA pale ale double IPA whatever you want to call it but I've been having some success success with that but those are pretty heavy categories so I'm still not committed to it um, I have I did brew one I brewed one uh, yesterday or two no yesterday I brewed one yesterday today I brewed a uh, an American wheat. I also, what I also do is I also try to really take a look at the categories. Since NHC breaks up the categories like no other competition does, it would definitely behoove you to look at those categories and start to see, okay, what beers out of those, say, six beers that are coming from different categories are going to stand out on a mini boss table. As opposed to just looking at, okay, this is my best beer, Look at those styles and really think, okay, if I can brew a good example of that style, when it's sitting down next to these other beers that are in the same guy that are in the same category, it's going to have a lot more flavor and it's going to probably stand out amongst those other beers that are in that same category. That's something that that really would would do you well if you can brew if you feel comfortable in what you, that you're able to brew a lot of different styles. I would say go ahead take a close look at those NHC categories and pick out which beer in out of that category would have the most flavor, the most aroma and the 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 highest amount of, of whatever it is that that style is looking for. That's a really good and interesting sort of next level strategy. Think with positivity that you're going to make it up to that mini bus show. So now what works? Yeah, exactly. Now, let me ask you, there are a lot of, a lot of people who've always advised in competitions that the real way to win the, the real trick is to go big, go for either the maximal side of the guidelines or, or even maybe a few IBUs or a few more gravity points above, you know, with the idea that that'll cause you to stand out. Right. I mean, have, what do you think of that? I know that we talked about you shooting the gap with the APA, IPA, double IPA thing, you know, but do you think there's any, any success to that kind of strategy with going bigger? I have to, I have to be back and forth on that a little bit because I had, that was one of the first things that I was told when I started brewing and I started getting some uh, tips from some of the other brewers was, you know, kind of shoot for the higher end of the OG so that you're able to get more flavor out of that beer. And that would go along with what I just explained that you're looking to kind of stand out on that best of show table. Um, the, caveat to that is that I have entered a number of beers that has done that have done incredibly well against I know beers that had much higher alcohol content much higher um, OGs and much much higher flavor than that beer had one was is the vice beer obviously it's going against a uh, vice and box and um, other other beers that those those are going to have a lot more flavor that and this, this last competition I had entered that um try beer, whatever it was. And it was definitely, definitely on the very, very, very low end of a double IPA, but I did win that category. So it's, I'd say yes and no. If you're just getting started out and you're not really de too dedicated to your recipes, go ahead and shoot for the high end, see how the beer comes out. And if it comes out well, then you've got a little bit of advantage if it hits that mini best show table. Um, if not, and you and you've got your recipes that you know are are solid recipes. Hey, you deliver that beer how you want it to be delivered, and just like the the vice beer, you know it's 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 a light beer. It is what it is. It, everything comes together just at that OG that I have that small window, and I and that's where I want it. So, yes and no. Yes and no. It all depends. Much like life. 
Nick, before we leave uh, this entire topic of competitions, uh, just is there anything else that, that you want to tell people about, you know, how you can be like Nick and win big? Yes, absolutely. Anybody can do this. Anybody can do this. There's no secret recipe to anything. It's just about dedication. Being, if Hey, if you're passionate about this, you're going to win. You, you get passionate about this and you, you, you sink hours and hours and hours of time into your brewing, you can win. It's going to take a, it's, it's, that's the thing is it's just going to take some time. And, uh, man, if you, if you put the time into it, you can definitely be successful. It's brewing, 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 and brewing. Um, if you're married, you better get your wife on board, but, uh, yeah, definitely going to take a lot of brewing. Well, you know, you can just always remind people, I have all this hardware now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it is. It is. It is nice every once in a while going out there and seeing stuff lined up. It's a nice, tangible reminder of the quality of your fleeting art form that you've chosen. In this case, beer. That's right. Yeah. Hey, not much lovelier than beer. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, on that note, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about uh, your competition tips and tricks and good luck with NHC this year. May it, may the gold medals land in your lap. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, having me on, and hopefully uh, something I said makes some sense. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this chat with Nick about how to win at the biggest competitions and what he's thinking about as he plans his brew year and approach. What did you think, Denny? I think, man, that uh, he sounds very methodical and capable, and that explains why he was the 2017 Home Brewer of the Year. Uh, I've tried something like his approach before, but I never had very good luck when I brewed beers specifically for a competition. Uh, my luck mainly came when uh, I was sitting there drinking a beer and went, damn, this is really good. I should enter it. And, and that's that's how I went about entering competitions. Yeah, see, for me, if I'm sitting there drinking a beer and thinking, damn, this is a good beer, my thought isn't about entering it to compete. My thought is about going and getting another glass. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm more like that these days, too. But but I think that Nick has a great plan, and it obviously works, judging by his success. Yeah, so if you didn't, if you didn't fully absorb the lesson, go back, re-listen. The episode's not that long. So remember now, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., even things like, hey, I want to know how to compete, you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com or drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there known to mankind. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts, click the Amazon AHA or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is... It is Habitat for Humanity, helping people build their own homes in your community. Great organization. Please help us support them. Yes, all right. And until next time, remember to always brew wacky. Or brew experimentally. The brew is out there. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. <laughs>